<laughs> and here we go. So, this episode's going to be fucking dumb. Not really. <laughs> well, okay. not really. We're off to dumb. a good start. We're off to a good start because I was in the middle of finishing my notes. And I was literally probably two minutes from finishing them. And then my note just deleted itself forever. Yeah, all, it was really cool. All of my notes that I spent a couple hours working on just deleted forever. So we're going <laughs> to, I'm going to do my case completely from memory and how cool. that's going to go. I don't know, but it'll be fun. I think it'll be okay. Cause I told the story to multiple people already. So I'm hoping <laughs> that I retained some of that, but I need to change. I wrote that this was episode 19, but it's not. This is episode 18, which is exciting because we're getting super close to episode 20. Okay. And let's see. Okay, 18. Um, which is also crazy because we're not even to 20 episodes, but we are at 1,995. Oh, right so before. close. Yeah, we are literally five downloads from 2,000. Which is so weird. So go download this at least twice. Yeah, everybody go delete your download. <laughs> if if we have three listeners, go download it at least twice and then we're good. Definitely. Um, which is super crazy. I don't know. Maybe it's not. I don't have any, like, thing gauge. to reference. Yeah, I have no gauge for this. So 2000 feels like a lot for only... We started in August and we took about a month off. That is true. So what's that? Five months of active yeah it's not too shabby i feel good about that i think yeah i'll pat myself i feel good when just your family listens so that's yeah but extra appreciate yeah there's more than that i thought it was cool like because we're about to hit 2000 so i was looking like really closely at all of our stats and so i thought it was freaking weird because okay half of our downloads of the almost 2000 half of them come from the united states which is kind of weird in itself because only half of them come from the united states which is like where we where we're at yeah and i feel like 90 i'd say about 90 percent of our cases maybe 80 are united states cases yeah so that's kind of cool i kind of i like that they're from all over the place personally another fourth of them are pretty much going to be due to one episode in particular but a fourth of our downloads all come from ireland and i really yeah. think that that's because of the west cork murder probably because <laughs> i was looking at our top episodes our most downloaded episode by far is episode three the west cork murders and the lucasville prison riots which is the irish murder yeah. so I, a huge portion of those irish irish cases are probably or the Irish downloads, I should say, are probably coming from that. Irish cases, oh no. Yeah, I have done a couple other Irish cases since then, which maybe that's, that's true. some downloads from that area too. But And then we also have a ton of downloads from United Kingdom and Canada. And then I thought it was cool. We've got some other um, like notable areas that have like a decently high download rate are like kind of weird places like we've got some coming from germany which i know i've done one german case but that's it yeah and then we've got some coming from france uh we've got some in belgium 
And then I was looking at just like total countries and we have one download from like a lot of really random countries. I love that. One download in Japan. Thanks that guy. Yeah, right? One in Japan. We've got one download in like Bangladesh. We have like one download from Thailand. (laughs) I'm like, just one, I guess, (laughs) which is kind of funny. So it's pretty crazy, but I wanted to kind of let everybody know we talk about it a lot at the beginning of our episode, but we want to focus, well, I personally, I don't know about you, but I want to focus this year a lot on Patreon and just like figuring out how we can make it more like interesting and kind of like, like we kind of talked about um, personally, you and I, about getting suggestions from people from Patreon and then maybe doing their cases and our mini episodes and stuff like that which I think would be super cool. So I wanted to explain to people what Patreon is for anybody that's like a new listener and doesn't know anything about our personal Patreon. So Patreon is a subscription-based service so that you can basically help to fund us because this is definitely not a full-time job for us. Mm, No. (laughs) It would be super cool if it was one day in the distant future if we could you know, make money off of whatever people make money off of doing something like this. (laughs) What we like to do. Like advertising probably and stuff like that. But Patreon is another way to see a form of monthly income so that we can buy ourselves equipment and we can support ourselves while we spend a pretty decent amount of time trying to do this. And then what you get in return for being so kind as to help us grow is you get access to all of our episodes that we've ever posted all in one convenient place. And then mixed in between that are going to be our bonus episodes, which are going to be for only Patreon subscribers. So if you have a membership with us on our Patreon account, you'll get our two episodes per month that we do for everybody that are on Spotify and all of our other downloadable places. But you'll also get a bonus episode, which right now we're kind of toying with the idea of it being like a mini episode, Mm -hmm. but who knows? Maybe in it the can future. change. We don't yeah. know yet. We're still figuring out what we want to do. We don't like committing to things. So, <laughs> so if we say maybe after everything, then exactly. it works. <laughs> Precisely. So right now we've done like a mini episode that released on Patreon, which was like the way we're kind of thinking right now is just one of us will do like a normal size case. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like normally we dedicate 30 to 45 minutes each to our full-length episodes, and we'll just kind of have only one of us do that. So that'll kind of create a 30 to 45-minute bonus episode for people to listen to. And that will be once a month. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you will get one bonus episode that no one else gets to listen to, which I think is super cool. Yeah. And I'm thinking, too, what we talked about was... I'm, like, so winded from being pregnant. (laughs) Seriously. You're what? (laughs) I'm, like, winded from, like... (laughs) Like, did you feel like that when you were pregnant? Just yeah. Just winded all the time? Yeah. If I even, like... Getting up and doing anything was hard. <laughs> if I even, like, talk too much, I feel like... <sighs> so if you just hear me, like, heavy breathing on this episode, I'm seriously sorry. Okay, but we talked about on Patreon, our Patreon subscribers can message us personally and, like, oh, yeah, chat yeah. with us about things. So I think it'd be cool if we have somebody message us and say, hey, I really want to hear you guys cover this case, having that be the focus of our bonus episode or even a full length episode. Yeah. Because that's where we like both just dive into it. Exactly. Yep. Give you all the information you want to know without you having to look into it at all. Seriously. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're thinking. So if you want, you can take a look at our Patreon and see what we're all about. And it's patreon.com slash between the crimes. 
And yeah, that's all I wanted to kind of chat. It would be kind of cool too if like maybe they don't want to hear about a specific case. Maybe yeah. they want to hear like tell me about like child murders and yeah. we would like dive into just like that topic. Exactly. Or yeah. something like that. And it's perfect. That would be cool. That same topic is super nifty because on our Patreon, I always tag our posts. Oh, so yeah, I tag yeah, yeah. like if it's I, I tag it based on the location <clears throat> so if you are a listener from Australia and you're like I've heard a lot of these US cases the US is fucking lame I want to listen to <laughs> cases about the country I live in you can yeah. just search the tag for Australia you can find all the cases that we've done in that area that's cool yeah so I think it's nice if you don't want to sit there and scroll through Spotify and try to find the case that you that like, pertains to what you like. yeah exactly and same thing with all the other like i tag them europe but then i also tag the specific country too so if you're like mm. oh well you know it doesn't have to be german cases but just in europe in general they can find them that way too so nice yeah patreon's dope so far i like it hell yeah cool shit so we're gonna switch it up i feel like normally i go first and this week you're I gonna go so. first and i'm excited i'm not i feel like i'm like ooh, i get to start it out ooh, different i like it okay my case is wacky it's a little weird um so mine is the laredo axe murders mm. that happened in 1991 exciting um we're gonna start kind of by going into some background on some people um the first person we're gonna talk about is miguel angel martinez okay so miguel he was born on august 6th 1973 in laredo texas um he he kind of struggled financially. His family, not like him personally, he was a child. Yeah. But his family kind of struggled. He had to like live with his grandma for a little bit, stuff like that. Just like yeah. maybe didn't have it the easiest. Yeah. Um. But despite that, he still ended up going to school, getting really good grades. Nice. Worked it out pretty good. He yeah. had goals of going into the Air Force. And at this time, so 91, he was 17. And by this time, he had already enlisted in the Air Force and was planning to graduate, then go. move on, do that. And um, he 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 was doing good, like making his life better than probably what was expected yeah. from his what like he was upbringing. given. Yeah. yeah, he did he did more with what he was given than most a people, lot of people probably could. could. Yeah. yeah, so he was doing pretty good. Um, he was good friends with this other kid, and his name was Milo. Well, mm -hmm. his name is Manuel Flores, but he goes by Milo. Mm -hmm. And him and Milo hang out all the time. And, like, yes, Miguel was a good kid and, like, did good in school and had all these aspirations and hopes, but he's still a teenager. Yeah. So they still kind of do things that they probably shouldn't do. Yeah. Classic, so though, they, right? they hang out. They go to parties. They smoke. They drink. Yeah. You know, they do teenager things i feel like it's normal maybe some people in disagree, every but. case that we talk about teenagers is always like yeah they smoke they drink it's yeah it's normal but maybe it's not i don't know maybe it's not <laughs> i i feel like it is because i'm like even though when i grew up like everyone i knew yeah stuff like that that's how i feel even like it wasn't like it was just me i feel like even Literally the everyone. groups that i didn't associate with were they doing, were that, doing that just them with themselves you right. know what i mean so Milo's house was kind of the place to be for them mm -hmm. because he tell me this wouldn't be really cool so he had like his own little apartment area 
in the backyard of their house. Oh, so like, like, a, like a little house? Yeah. Okay, so like I love that so much. That was like my dream as yes. a teenager to have my own little house, like little mini okay. house, like in the backyard. Like This <laughs> is so relevant, but on Reddit, there's mm-hmm. a thread and it's like, or a sub, what are they called? Subreddit? Anyways. Mm-hmm. And it's called Cozy Places. And mm-hmm. so people will just share pictures of places that look so cozy. Oh, that sounds fun. I want to follow yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> someone just shared one. It was a guy living somewhere... I think he was living in Scotland mm-hmm. and he shared this picture of like the coziest little and he so basically he has a house but then in the backyard he built a, a home office and it's oh. separate from his house. That'd be nice because then if yes. you work from home especially with like the COVID. Yeah. The COVID. <laughs> the, co- COVID. the COVID. The COVID. No, but like, like working from home like everyone is. Yeah. So yeah. he gets to separate himself That's from... That's nice, because you get to, like, leave <laughs> And it was so home. cute. It had this, like, cute sectional in it, and then it had a fireplace, and his dog was laying, like, underneath the desk, and then he had this big, like, wraparound desk with all of his work stuff. That's really cool. it just looked so nice. I want that. Not that that had anything to do with anything, but now you know. But I like <laughs> so, it. Go <laughs> so on Reddit and look at those pictures, because it's cool. See, my thing is, like, I was thinking about this, and this is really stupid, so... Um, did you ever watch Hannah Montana growing up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, you know, in like the, like, the older, not older, when they're older, so the... The later seasons. The later seasons. Thank there you. Go. My brain couldn't get there. <laughs> you know, when, you know, the older. <laughs> when they are older. Uh-huh. Some of the last, like the last season. Yes. Um, And they like move into that new house. Oh, and then yeah. she gets the big old bedroom that's like de- detached from the house. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that's, was that was my goal, dream. That was what like I wanted. D- It'd be so. I don't even know what I would use it for. I would don't even just need to be that. separate, or even like like a cute room in a garage. I don't know yeah. why that that always is. Why would to me. I want to live in the garage? To live I don't, in the garage, but... or even leave my house and go to a different. I don't know why, but it just sounds like it would make me happier. Right. Um. So yeah, he had that. <laughs> okay. He was living the dream. She was going to say the Hannah Montana dream. <laughs> Ew. No. Wait, this is not how this case goes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So, that's Getting okay. serious. So, they, so Milo had a friend and his name was also Miguel, mm-hmm. but he goes by his last name more and it's Venegas. So, who's Milo? Milo is um, the one the with friend. the apartment. Okay. And then um, the first guy we were talking about was Miguel okay. Martinez. Okay. Got it. So, we're going to call him Miguel Milo and Venegas. Perfect. That's how you will know. Thank you. Uh huh. So Milo and Venegas were friends, but Venegas and Miguel were not super close. Mm-hmm. They had like, I think they said they had one pre-algebra class together. Okay. And that was like how they knew each other and that was it. Mm-hmm. But they would cross paths because they were both friends with Milo and they both would like go to parties and just, they also went to the same school. So they knew each other. Yeah. Um, so uh, this particular night was January 17th, 91. They all decide they're just going to go to Milo's and have a, a fun night. Mm-hmm. And Milo, um, his dad was actually the state district judge. Wow. Wow. State district judge. Oh. So they kind of had more money than the other families in the area. Yeah. And this meant that Milo kind of had more money than the other kids. Mm-hmm. And so he was the one supplying everything that they needed for a good time. That makes sense. 
So he had his own little apartment. He had the money. He had the drugs. He had the booze. When they hung out with him, they kind of could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Because they would go over to his little apartment. They would drink. They'd smoke. Parents didn't really care. They'd do cocaine. Damn. Yeah. And he was supplying all that. See, I didn't do cocaine. Yeah. Every time I hear a story like that, I'm like, I drew the line at just alcohol. (laughs) That was it. Yikes. But I can't say I didn't know people in high school that did. Yeah. Like, I didn't do cocaine like I did. We actually, but. like, at my school for a while, that was kind of a weirdly big problem. Cocaine? Yeah. Like, I never... I didn't know anybody personally that I had ever, like, seen or anything, but we had kids, like, getting in trouble for it, and I was like, who Jeez. has these problems? <laughs> like, I don't... That sounds... I don't even... To me, it sounds like... I don't know why this is, scary. like... This is, like, um... What am I... Like, a stereotype, but that sounds like a rich people, prob- like, drug to me. Right. I guess I don't know. Because I don't do cocaine. But I just never knew. <laughs> because you have no experience in the area? Yeah. I just never knew anybody that... Yeah. Like, where would you even... Anyway. Okay. Okay. So, um, on this night, they're over at Milo's. And they're having a good time. And this is... It kind of gets weird because, obviously, everyone has a different view of how everything went down. Yeah. Um. But... Venegas, in his storytelling of that night, says that Milo has made a comment basically about, I'm the one that always supplies it. I don't know if he necessarily says it in a way that's like, Mad. you guys owe me, but it or anything like, like that. Offhanded, yeah. like, I don't know. It's just like, feels oh, yeah. like I always am the one supplying it because he was. Yeah. Which it's is not true. wrong. Mm-hmm. So he says that. And Venegas kind of gets a little bit defensive, I want to say. Yeah. Offensive? Defensive. Defensive. Yeah, I was right. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, we don't have money. Yeah. We don't have a rich dad. We are not wealthy. That sounds like- We can't buy cocaine. A really easy way to- I'm 16. (laughs) Escalate to an argument. Yeah. So, it doesn't turn into an argument. Oh. It turns into, well, how do you want me to help? How do you want me to help supply, give you things to help us, like- Oh. Get more cocaine. Yeah. And it turns out Miguel and Milo have actually done their, their dabbling in mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, robbery. Mm-hmm. And Miguel, so he has worked, at this point, he's worked kind of on and off at an Arby's. Mm-hmm. And he kind of became weirdly close with the owner and the manager. Yeah. And his name's was name was James Smiley. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird because I know. Smiley. Smiley. Um, James Smiley met and Miguel, they met when Miguel was only 15. Mm-hmm. And he kind of took him under his wing as yeah. like this kid that doesn't have a dad that like could use a father figure. Yeah, like some direction. Yeah. And so he had him working at Arby's, like he gave him that job. And I guess like he was pretty well trusted with James to where... He actually gave him keys to his house. Oh, wow. And he would even stay the night over there sometimes. And he would be like, like house give set. him a ride to work oh. in the morning. Like they would go to work in the morning and like, like they. Just like really like, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like an authority figure for yeah. him. Yeah. Which I don't know. It just, I feel like it makes it kind of more sad what happens. You'll, you'll hear. Um, so I guess Milo and Miguel have before in the past gone over when james wasn't home and used his key to take things 
but they never cause any damage or anything like that. They but they were stealing from somebody that I feel like that's kind of a shitty thing to do. So shady. Like I guess it's like a teenage thing because I mean I don't know I don't want to excuse it by any standards because it's wrong but mm-hmm. it just seems like such a teenage like you get older and you're like fuck I shouldn't have done that you know what I yeah. mean it's like stealing from your parents yeah. or whatever and then you grow up and you're like fuck that, that was, was rude. so <laughs> not cool right so after that comment being made that Milo supplies everything and Venegas getting a little bit defensive about it and wanting to kind of I don't want to say like pull his own weight but like provide yeah. the cocaine as well yeah like um, pull his weight I guess the way they view it in the friendship you know yeah. what I mean but um the idea of going to James's house and using the key that Miguel has and going to rob him kind of starts brewing circulating yeah thank you i didn't know what was going on because sometimes people make a sneeze face and you just like legit stared into my soul and i was like what's i was trying to not sneeze (laughs) i did it anyways (laughs) it'd be that way sometimes okay so um this night they decide basically we're gonna go do what we've done before we're just gonna go there we're gonna rob his house while he's not home we're going to come back and do our thing. Um, the plan was that Milo is going to drive them there and he's going to drop them off, do like a little circle mm-hmm. and then come back and pick them right back up. Yeah. And, but as they're like getting ready to leave there and I'm sure I'm going to say some of the things that happened wrong because I wasn't there and probably all three of them tell a different story of how it happened. I'm sure. But from do. what I'm, Piecing together, Mm -hmm. gathering. This is what I imagine happened. Could be wrong. So as they're getting ready to kind of leave, it's kind of talked about that Venegas wants to... We have to imagine the mindset he's in when he's like all hyped up on coke. And he's like, I want to go do something. Like, let's go. Let's go. And he wants to... He mentions like trashing a home or like breaking stuff. Like he just wants to go cause some damage and do some trouble. Like, yeah. Anyways, and get into trouble. Yeah. And so he's kind of raising the stakes here, like making it more than just a quiet in and out. Yeah, it's kind like of getting a, serious. Yeah. And what ends up happening is they go out to a different shed because apparently they have multiple sheds in their backyard. Interesting. <laughs> um, Big backyard. <laughs> right. <laughs> and looking at potential weapons to bring to break stuff. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, Because I guess Venegas at one point had even suggested bringing a gun in case he needed to, like, threaten somebody for something. Uh And Milo had said, like, oh, no, like, my dad's got it locked up tonight. Like, can't. Sorry. Jesus. Gun's unavailable. Yeah. Um, So they go to the shed and they pick out an axe, a baseball bat, and then they bring some knives that Milo had. And they all get in the car. And they drive over. And at this point, it's like 1 in the morning, so it's January 18th. Mm-hmm. And it starts out just like they had planned. Milo drives up to the house, drops them off, and they, um, Miguel and Venegas go up to the house. And Venegas, he goes over to the window and looks inside and sees somebody in there. He sees a person in the house sleeping mm-hmm. on the couch. And um, he comes back to Miguel. They have this kind of conversation 
where he's like, this isn't kind of what we planned, but there's people in there. Yeah. And Miguel's like, well, we're not. We're not going to do that. Yeah. That's too much. Too far. Yeah. And this is where it kind of flips even more. Yeah. Where Venegas basically says, like, Satan wants their souls. What the fuck? Right. Right. Well, and you have to think, it could be, like, to me, I don't know why, but I picture, like, I picture this guy, Venegas, mm-hmm. on coke and wanting to make it more theatrical than yes. is necessary. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. trying to talk it up like it's, like, this big, huge thing and, like, trying to make it more entertainment than yeah. anything and trying to, like, play this part. And so just, like, I can just picture this kid just, like, saying that, thinking that it'll be, like, you know Ooh. what I mean? Make it yeah. spooky. Yeah. But, like, he... He's crazy, dude. Really? So, he basically says Satan wants their souls. And so, they use the key, they go into the house, and they walk in, and they see somebody sleeping on the couch. And that person is 20-year-old Ruben Martinez. Mm-hmm. And... He, they kind of stand over him for a minute, and Venegas says that he wakes up, looks at him, and then goes back to sleep. Huh. And he said in his coked out brain that this registered to him as the devil has my back. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay, this is fucking weird. So he takes the axe and just starts hacking. Jesus. Goes right at him. Like, hits him right in the head, I want to say. Yeah. And then starts stabbing him with the knives after he's hit him in the head with the axe. And then there's two different stories at this part as well. Yeah. As there will be. Yeah. And Miguel says that Venegas looked at him and said, it's your turn. And Miguel is claiming to be scared of Venegas at this point. Yeah. And just kind of wants to not make him angry at him. Yeah. And so he says he took a knife and stabbed the body once. Hmm. And then at this point, Miguel walks out the back door, goes to the backyard and throws up, as I would too. Yeah. <laughs> and Venegas just continues. What he he's, he's like, well, I have a job to do. He says in his brain that he had the idea that if he didn't take these souls, that Satan was going to take his Mm-hmm. Yeah. This sounds like him uh, deliberately trying to chalk it up and make it sound like he's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't even know. Which that almost makes me think, did he even actually say any of that fucking devil shit? Or they both claim that he did. Did they? Okay. Because yeah. it almost, to me, it kind of sounds like after the fact, knowing you're mm-hmm. in fucking deep shit and being like, I'm going to make this Oh, Satan made me do it. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to sound as crazy as possible. Yeah. No. So they, they both... Say that he did that. Um, So then he goes to one of the side rooms where he sees another person sleeping in bed. And he just walks up to them and starts stabbing them. And that person was 14-year-old Daniel Duenas. I might say that part wrong. But 14. Can you imagine just... I hate these cases. It's all of them. And the murderer is only 16. It's It's like... like, For what? Literally. For why did we... Why do we do this? Yeah. And um, after the fact, it said that the evidence in the room shows that it's likely that he put up a pretty good fight, too. That's so fucking which is sad. Which so It wasn't just like a immediate yeah. death. 
Um, and then there's an interview where Venegas goes over this part in particular. And he's like, I didn't even realize it was a kid. I just saw a body and started stabbing. And once I started stabbing and I heard his voice say, hey, man, hey, man, I realized it was a kid. I was like, but then it's weird to think because like, he's only 16. He's also only a kid. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it either. So then after this, um, well, Miguel has come back in the home now and he basically says, I don't want to do this. I want to go. Yeah. Fuck this. And Venegas says, like, we have a job to do. We have to finish this. And so he just kind of stands there while Venegas goes to the next room where James Smiley is sleeping in the master bedroom and just stabs him to death, too. And then he reaches over, grabs the cross that's on his nightstand and flips it upside down. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's I just think it's weird that that would happen to this guy because he's like a heavy churchgoer, that James guy. Yeah. he's. I want to say he was involved in the church. Let me... Look at my notes. I think he was. Um. Yeah, he was like a minister or something in a church, mm-hmm. and so like I feel like it's just really odd that that happened that is to really him. Odd. Mm-hmm. But after all of that, they literally took like a TV, a VCR, and his car, which really is. I don't know what word I want to use for this. I was gonna say it really sucks, but it doesn't. But. It's so fucked up because... Isn't there a third guy throughout all this? Yeah. So he was the one that was supposed to come back and pick them up. Oh, okay. Uh, So that was Milo. Because in that exact situation, there's a law where if a murder takes place while you intended to commit a felony... So Mm -hmm. let's say... Like a robbery? Mm -hmm. I think that might be a statewide thing. A state It's a federal. Is it? Oh, it, you I think, think it it's might by be state, state because that's not what happens in this case. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting because it's so crazy with all of like the Capitol riots and how that police officer ended up dead. How a lot of people were saying like, well, that was on federal property though. Maybe that's why I'm getting Yeah, maybe because I was, I was watching a different episode on Netflix because that's where I got this idea from. Yeah. It was a, an episode on Netflix from like I Am A Killer or something, uh-huh. I think is what it was called. Um, but I was watching a different series and there was an episode where this girl um, kind of lured somebody to an alleyway where they were going to like rob him. Uh-huh. And he had, they ended up killing him and she was charged with murder as well it must because be, of that law. It must be felony cases then. I, I mean, maybe burglary isn't a felony in itself maybe it's like a state charge whereas like because my example like capitol hill Mm -hmm. the the riots and stuff that was on federal property so of course that's going to be a federal charge maybe it is state by state but you know what i'm talking about exactly if you intend to commit even the getaway driver yeah you're just as guilty by yeah and you hear about it a lot like in bank robberies too Mm -hmm. but banks are federal property too so that is true interesting that makes me want to we'll have to look that up research like because that's a crazy clause that Mm -hmm. causes even getaway drivers to be charged with murder which i mean is it are they guilty i don't know it's just so crazy it's i feel like it's up for debate and i honestly i feel like it could be case by case yeah definitely because like in this case milo did not know the intent there was to kill yeah when he drove them there you know what i mean exactly i mean it was still like inappropriate and a crime and all of that and, but yeah he was probably well i guess i don't know but but he sounds... also supplied all the murder weapons so yeah true why the fuck would you bring knives I could have gone past it. It was his axe and his bat and his knives. I could have gone past <laughs> it if it was just like bats and like a crowbar because like, yeah, you're going to smash it up. But right. Knives. Are you fucking An serious? An axe. 
Yeah. So they steal his car too, which like I feel like I can get away with stealing exactly the car. Like if you were even gonna try to get away with it, don't steal his car. What a fucking that's like taking a big red flag saying I killed this guy and I took his shit. You know? Yeah, like they probably. Well, they probably wouldn't have gotten away with it. No, I know, but like, but. In your 16-year-old head, you'd think you'd be smart enough to not take a big chunk of evidence with you. Legit. Yeah. I don't know. So kind of shows how fucking dumb. dumb kids are. Yeah. You know? Like, what the hell? And so on January 22nd, police came and they arrested Martinez. So Miguel Martinez. And he was offered a plea deal for a life sentence. He turned it down and stood trial, and he was found guilty and sentenced to death. Yep. And he became the youngest person on death row because he was only... Well, at the time, it was he was 19, but when he committed it, he was 17. And which one was this again? Um, Miguel. Oh, So damn. the first one that we talked about. And that was the one who supposedly didn't want to continue. Yeah, the one that knew James, yeah. provided the keys, you know. <sighs> Yeah. Um, and then when we get to Venegas's sentencing, um, he was, since he was only 16, which, like, in this scenario, like, they're all basically the same age in my head. Like, yeah. They're all in the same grade. They're literally, like, probably a couple months difference. Yeah. But because he was 16, um, they weren't really sure, like, if he could be tried as a juvenile or, like, as an adult. Um, he ended up actually escaping from a juvenile facility and was, like, I think he went to Mexico for like two years. Wait, seriously? Yeah, but then he was recaptured. Um, And then in 2004, he was tried as an adult and he was, um, he pled guilty and was sentenced to 41 years. Jesus. Which is kind of crazy because the kid that was sentenced to death, I feel like, was Was arguably less less involved. Yeah. But he got wow. it just he depends on how they pled guilty, yeah. which is why your lawyer tells you to do that. Do hey, crazy concept. If you commit crimes, uh listen to your fucking lawyer. <laughs> yeah, you you probably aren't the one to make good choices. Yeah. Here. Even so, if it's a state appointed lawyer, listen? they still went to fucking law school. Yeah. And if they're telling you, Hey, you're probably gonna get the death sentence for this and I can't stop that from happening because you're an idiot. Yeah. You should plead guilty or you should whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe you just probably do should. That. You should probably just do that. Yeah, so that's why he was on death row. He actually now has, I think it's been reduced to um, like commuted life. or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. commuted to life. Yeah, because that law passed mm-hmm. about kids. So, which I guess I get not sentencing kids to the death sentence when they were legitimately minors when it was committed, but it's still crazy, right? And then with Milo, and he was the driver. He was never tried with anything. Really? Yeah. I wonder if they just felt like it just wasn't strong enough. Well, he... So he basically had no knowledge of the intent to kill anybody. Yeah. And... He wasn't even present. Yeah, he didn't enter the home at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you could argue probably that he provided the weapons and a way of transportation to the crime. I don't think that's a crime, though, you know? Like, if you... If... You didn't even provide them with the intent for what they were used for. Yeah, it's like if you came to me... For a gun, and I gave it to you, and then you murdered somebody. Like that's not my fucking problem. Like right. I didn't know you were gonna do that. You know, like yeah. 
I mean, Damn. you knew I was going to do maybe something I shouldn't with it. Yeah. But not what I actually ended up doing with it. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? I don't... He wasn't ever, ever tried for anything. Um, Dang. A lot of people kind of say that it was because of his dad and what he is oh, in the true. city. But true. his dad's, like, wishes that he was tried. He says, I wish that he could have stood in to front of everyone. Consequences. Well, he wants him to have been proven innocent. Oh. In front of... Because there's no way for... He thinks that if he were would have gone to trial, there is not enough or nothing strong enough to have hmm. proved him guilty of anything. I think he still should have been tried with, like, the equivalent of, I don't know what it would be called, but being a getaway driver for a robbery. Yeah. I think that they should have at least, I Something wish like they that. would have been able, just so he would go to jail for, like, two years or whatever, yeah. and then have, you know, a five-year probation, just so that he could be, like... And I could have been kept on him. Right. You know, like, that's my whole thing is, like, if you were Because he was obviously going down a bad path. Yeah. And it and would, could escalate, At you least know? he would have had to, like, do drug tests and stuff. And so yeah. maybe he would have gotten out of the drugs and the drinking and maybe... Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. But he was never tried with anything. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Because yeah. I do feel like he should not be tried with murder. Definitely. But... I don't think he's innocent. I don't think in he is. In this scenario. I don't think any of them are. Like, who knows? Know. Like, could it have gone differently if there wouldn't have been three of them and they wouldn't have known a getaway driver was coming? Like, if it would have just been the two of them, would it have gone differently? Like, yeah. who knows? You know? And, like, and it, I feel like it does make a difference where Milo didn't even come back to pick him up. Oh. Because he, it obviously takes longer to kill three people than it does to take something and leave. Huh. So he literally was supposed to just do like a little circle around the block and then, but he did that and they weren't back. So, so he, he literally went home. Interesting. And apparently. Maybe that's why they couldn't try yeah, him. Because. They didn't, they didn't pick him back up. Like he wasn't the getaway driver. He had intent to be. He was literally just there right there. Yeah, but, and it's like, how do you prove that he intended to. To like, pick them up. So but then changed it. You know what I mean? I guess that makes that makes sense to me then yeah. why charges couldn't really And it, it came out after that like the conversation where Venegas had asked him for a gun before and he was like, Oh no, sorry, like my dad's like locked it up or whatever. I guess that was all a lie. Oh. He did have access to guns and he just didn't want to give them to Venegas. Damn. So he tried to like kinda de escalate yeah. the like prevent. Yeah, I don't know. Damn. Pretty weird. Um and then this is a weird part that I don't know if I really wanted to talk about, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. I don't know how strongly we should look into this because if it's false, it could be really negative for the victim. Yeah. So I don't want to like say any of this is true because yeah. we don't know. But um, a lot of people when asking like, why did they do this? Why that guy other mm -hmm. than... He was available. Like, his home was available to them. Yeah. Um, It was said that they had kind of decided that Miguel, the first guy that we were talking about, had said that they wanted to do something bad to someone who appeared to be good but was actually bad. Oh, so they're using that as a reason? Like, maybe he wasn't... Wasn't a good guy? Hmm. And I guess while they were kind of debating on should we kill him or should we not kill them? Yeah. Um, Venegas claims that um, Miguel was saying that he's a pedophile. 
Oh. And the And who's the 14-year-old? Who was the 14-year-old? See, nobody there's been no way to say who the 14 or the 20-year-old and how they were connected to the guy that was at the Does to make- James's. There's I've read, I don't know if this is fact. I read that there was rumored that he was helping them get back on their feet after crossing the border. Mm. So, I don't know. Because which would fall into the same line with what everyone else in the community says about him that he's this great guy that's giving to everyone that wants to help every soul that he comes in contact with. Yeah. But in this Netflix episode that I watched, when they asked Miguel, like, what did you mean by that statement? And he didn't deny that he said it. Yeah. He said, well, it means what it sounds like. I guess the question you're really trying to ask is what is the bad? Yeah. That he, that James supposedly is. And he never like outright says it. But he, like, starts crying and starts saying that there's things he's never dealt with. And, like, it leads you to think that he's saying that he's been, like, he's assaulted, been assaulted by him as, like, a teenager. Hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's tough. You don't, like, you don't want to say anything bad about him. But at the same time. You also want to. I'm an adult. And would I have a teenager? And obviously, at this point, we now know multiple teenagers sleeping in my house would i ever find that appropriate no i would not find that appropriate that doesn't make me a better person and it doesn't make him a bad person but it does raise a A little bit of an eyebrow my head yes if i heard somebody in my family was doing that it'd be weird i would legitimately ask them do you seriously think that that's appropriate so Hmm. and then it just is kind of weird because he says miguel claims that He has multiple families that are willing to testify that their children have been victims of James. So I don't know how... And it doesn't justify it because... Is he credible? I don't know. And what is... What, so vigilante justice is okay? Because it's not. No. So it's kind of like... It doesn't justify it by any standards, but to me it is It might make you understand why he thought that victim was an okay victim. But not that, that, that it is, but... yeah. His mindset going into, like, why we should pick this person. Yeah, like, why it's okay to rob him and then... Do bad things to him. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't think that Miguel ever intended to kill him. Yeah, probably not. But he probably didn't feel as bad, like, robbing him and stuff, if if that was true. And it sucks, though, too, because now that he's dead, it's like it'll never get investigated. Yeah. I mean, how do you investigate that? I don't know. And then it it is weird because they claim all that, and then, like, you watch the... um, section where the community talks about how great he is and how yeah and just the holy contrast. of a person and then they, they go on in detail about how actively like present he was in the youth community and then it was like well i mean i don't know mm, that's that doesn't tough. mean he's a pedophile though no not that at is all. not but like with the amount of like kids he had access to and then with them claiming that who knows like you don't know you will yeah we'll like, never know, never and we, know. But I don't think it's right to say that he is because we don't know. But it's just so it's a weird little. And then it's frustrating too because I'm just like, you want to know. Yeah, but, but we won't. can't. We won't. We don't. We don't. Hmm. Yeah. And Venegas is still just freaking crazy, dude. Really? Like, he was saying that the idea of him being the son of Satan has been in his brain since he was eight. Maybe he's got some, like, schizophrenia or something. He said that when he was a kid, he used to gather black widows in a jar, 
pour them onto his bare chest and they would never bite him. So he felt that Satan was protecting him. I think he's legit just trying to sound crazy. I I don't know. It seems like a stupid. Yeah, it just seems so theatrical. Yes, like, it like does. especially knowing was he interviewed in this episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially knowing you're being interviewed, you don't want people saying like, "Oh, fuck that guy, he's so evil." You want him saying like, "He's fucking crazy." Like, right? If you're a murderer, better but to be called evil. crazy than like some sick fuck. You know. <laughs> He can be both. True. I don't know. What that case just was so case. odd to me. Like, it's... There's no black and white answer of who's the most guilty, of who, why, any of that. You know what I mean? Sorry if everybody hears me moving my microphone. Yeah, that's the worst part about a lot of true crime cases for me is, like, it's a bit more... I don't know. It's easier to sit with when you know it was like mental illness. They had mm-hmm. schizophrenia. They, you know, had a mental break, like psychosis. Like to me, that's easier to like. Or sink if it in. was like a like you were doing a robbery and somebody surprised you by coming home, or and yeah. like it was like out of a fear of self defense or anything like that. But the fact that they had that moment to decide right then on the spot, should we? go home and literally just leave or should we just go in and kill these people I bet and they, they chose sit, to kill people i bet they sit with that especially miguel maybe not the crazy dude but but they said that with that every single day just thinking what if i just wouldn't have fucking done what this? if i just went home instead damn yeah my case is fucked up dude yeah i i was intrigued huh true crime cases are so frustrating sometimes dude the one i'm gonna say is so frustrating too can i be before we do yours? yes i'm definitely. so sorry no totally i'm gonna reread my timeline since i don't have notes <laughs> <laughs> okay we're gonna do that and be right back bye bye love you love you love you bye here okay. i am situated i wonder if we'll ever not have to take a potty break in the middle no we will i'm surprised i didn't take a potty break i probably should have you also took one before and i didn't oh true so. i feel like it's like going on a road trip i'm like i gotta go before <laughs> Ugh. You would think we were grown up enough to go an hour and a half to an hour, 45 minutes without having to pee. But um, sorry for everyone that did not want to hear about that. But yeah, it's, um, that's who we are. That's where so, we're at. This is going to be, I don't know. I'm going to do I'm excited. completely from memory, but I've heard this case many times. Actually, I heard it first on Crime Junkie, then Sword and Scale. I might be making this up, but I'm pretty sure Sword and Scale did an episode on this as well. And then I told the whole story start to finish to Jason, my fiance, yesterday. And I also just wrote like the entire set of notes out. So I'm hoping I will have retained some of that in my I brain. sure hope so. If not, I will be surprised. But the only confusing part is I, I'm going to tell this story like we sometimes do in a way that's not the timeline of the events, like in yeah. order. Because it's... Which is always the easiest and yeah. sometimes it's necessary for the mm-hmm. case, but it's always a little fun to like kind of create some mystery, exactly. create some theater. Some I don't theater. know. <laughs> the theater. So, okay. 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 This is the case of, I don't even know. It's so hard to know how to refer to these. Yeah. You know, like the victim or the murderer, the victim or the murderer. Like I'm constantly torn with what's the most appropriate way. Or the newspaper title. Yeah. <laughs> like, so... I'm going to use the murderer, which makes me want to throw up, but it's how it's known. And there are three victims, so it would be very lengthy if I called it 
the murder yeah. of all three people. So <clears throat> I feel like your case was kind of like that too, yeah. right? Like, but then it was like, do I call it the name of all three murderers oh, yeah. or all three victims? Oh yeah, that's hard. Okay. <laughs> I was like, um. So um, this is the case of Dellen Millard, and I'm just gonna gross preface this by <laughs> saying <clears throat> I'm gonna say a lot of really mean things about Dellen Millard, and that is because to me he is the epitome of a narcissistic spoiled rotten asshole like that's the best way i can describe him yeah he's just if you think if everybody listening to this episode can just think of that person that they know if you know someone like this who was just born very wealthy and which doesn't make you a bad person no it doesn't it's just giving like exuding that nothing bad has ever happened to me Mm. attitude and i can or will ever happen to me yes and he had the type of personality of, I can do whatever I want. I'm invincible. Nothing bad will ever happen because I am so smart that I can make sure that I get away with anything. And it's just like gross. Like I don't like that. Yeah. And his friends kind of talk about him like when you were around him, he made you feel like nothing we do like will ever get in trouble for. Like, like he can take care of it he mm-hmm. has the money to make things disappear to make um evidence disappear like he can do anything and he nice. <laughs> yeah except he was a fucking idiot mm. which what's new in these cases <laughs> you know what i mean so we're gonna start with talking about tim Bosma, and every time um every time because i've now had to write notes on this twice every time <laughs> I write him, like, I don't know why this sounds so dumb, but I put, like, a little heart next to his name because he was, like, the nicest, sweetest guy. And so, Tim Bosma, he was married, and him and his wife, I don't know her name, I'm sorry, my notes are gone, but um, (laughs) I want to say it was Charlene, but I might be making that up. That's cute. It is very cute. And they had a daughter together. I don't know how old she was, but it sounded to me like she was a toddler. And she, like, I don't know, the family, they were doing okay, and they were trying to get by and raise their family, but they didn't have a ton of money. Money was something that was a bit difficult for them. Um, And so... I'm so sorry. Okay, so they were kind of struggling financially. Um, Not, like, super badly, but enough that... They had a Dodge Ram truck, and they were like, we don't need it. Maybe we should sell it, and we can kind of use the money. And it's really, really sad because if the murderer had not existed, obviously none of this would happen, but a lot of people kind of word it like, if he wouldn't have sold this truck, he would still be alive. Like, if they just had not listed Wait, this truck. Wait, is Tim the victim? Yeah. Oh. And it's so... It's just one of those cases. I mean, they're all kind of like that. Like we talk about, and I say this a hundred times in this podcast, but it's like, it's all for nothing. It's literally for nothing. So he lists this truck on, I don't know, Craigslist or something, whatever they have in Canada. I don't know. (laughs) And um, he has some people coming to look at it and they want to test drive it of course but it's like super late at night it's like 9 30 at night which is really like if somebody said i want to test drive it at 9 30 at night i'm already in bed literally <laughs> like, same showered in my jammies yeah and so tim talks to his wife and he's like i don't know like kind of late and they're yeah. like eh. charlene's kind of like 
we want to get it sold. And if they're going to buy it, then it's one late night, you know? So he agrees and he meets up with two young men who are interested in buying the truck and they just want to test drive it. And so before they show up, he asked Charlene, like, do I go with them? Like, how does this work? Right. I wouldn't know. Like, do you want to go with them and then like monitor it? Yeah. But also you're getting in the car with people you don't know. Yeah. But they're also taking your car. Yeah. So Charlene's kind of like sassy about it. And she's like, if you want the truck to come back, you probably should go with them. And so he says, yeah, that's fair. So the two young men show up. He says bye to Charlene. He gets in the truck with them and he's never seen again. I bet Charlene feels like shit. Yeah. Well, and it's hard because it's like, it's... Not that it's her fault. Not Like, when you test drive a car... Be sad. Yeah. When you test drive a car at a dealership, like, they take your license and stuff. But, like, when you're selling a car... You're not going to scan their license and... Yeah. So, they didn't do that. We have... At the time of the disappearance, nobody has any fucking clue. And you don't know if... if, Even if you did any of that, you don't know if they're giving you, like, a real license. They don't know if you... You don't know if it's a fake ID. Yeah. Exactly. It's just sketchy. So it's like, it's obvious at this point, we're talking about Dellen Millard. It's probably safe to assume that Dellen Millard is the person who came into yeah. Tim Bosma's life. Who was with him? You'll get there. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> so the thing that's crazy with this case is the reason I want to talk about Tim Bosma is I want to kind of show like Dellen Millard's unraveling and how he thought he was so smart and it all just came to a boiling point with this case with Tim Bosma and it just it just like destroyed not destroyed him because he destroyed himself but it all kind of unravels because he decided to murder somebody randomly looking at a truck and for what exactly and it's kind of like I don't know how to describe it he could have gotten away probably with some of this had he not made this dumbass decision to murder a random person and so i guess kind of the way it happens is they start investigating the case as a disappearance and then a homicide eventually when tin bosma fails to show back up at home right and And they know he was with someone they didn't just go missing so he's murdered on i want to say it's may 3rd i gotta look at my timeline may 6th 2013 Um, And so a few days later, on May 7th, the Hamilton Police Department officially declares Tim Bosma missing. And then a few days after that, on May 9th, Charlene... Oh, her name was Charlene. Nice. She appeals to the kidnappers to... At this point, they're wondering if it's a kidnapping. And she goes on TV, and I've seen the um, interview, and it's so fucking sad. So she goes on TV to, like classic you know like bring him back like we need him and it's so sad she says i don't know the direct quote wait you said they have a kid yeah she says please give him back you don't need him but my daughter needs her dad you don't need him like bring him back i have little tears in my eyes that's so sad so fucking sad and so on may 10th um the next day after that tim bosma's phone is located in brantford which i want to say is pretty near where Dellen Millard either lives or has an airport hangar because he's rich. <laughs> and so we'll kind of reverse. We'll talk about Dellen very briefly because fuck him. Yeah. He was super wealthy, private schools, going on fancy vacations with his family all the time. I want to say he was an only child. And so he was like extra spoiled <laughs> by his wealthy parents. Right. 
to you know, have to share it with anyone. Exactly. And I feel like to no fault of theirs, like, I don't think anybody deliberately creates a murderer. You know what I mean? And I don't think rich people are more predisposed by any standards. But no. Dylan Millard was just not a good guy. And so as he gets into his young adulthood, he's kind of known as, like, an adrenaline junkie. So I'm so winded from talking. So... <laughs> He does a lot of skydiving. He does a lot of um, drugs to yeah. kind of get that adrenaline going Probably as well. Probably coke. Yep. He does actually a ton like shrooms, mm. coke, and I read some other ones as well. Um, and so he starts associating himself with this guy. Fuck, what's his name? Mark Smitch is his name. Huh. And Mark comes from a very different upbringing. He's not the best guy either but in different ways he's kind of involves himself in a, like drug dealing robberies and things like that and that piques Dylan's interest because it's adrenaline because it's exciting for him exactly and he's got the money that just made my eyes roll really hard yeah just so you know and so Dylan has the money mark has maybe like the street connections per se wouldn't and- he be worried that mark would try to rob him no, because he's an idiot, probably. I think that, like, the way that I view this is, like, Mark was Dylan's little fucking puppy dog. Legit. Like, would do anything he said. He, like, idolized Dylan because Gross. he was this rich kid. He had airplanes. He had he had an entire airport hangar where you store planes, and he could go to it whenever he wanted. He had a pilot's license so he could fly. I mean, he goes on these vacations and he can supply cars and drugs. And if Mark can find the drugs, Dylan can buy them. They can literally go and do whatever they want, whenever they want. And so for Mark, it's kind of scary. It's a it's an open door into a life that Mark has never experienced. Right. And he gets kind of caught up in that lifestyle of like, if I associate with him. I get to live this lifestyle too. Yeah. That would have never existed for me if not for Dylan. And it kind of creates this toxic relationship of like, Dylan could get him to do whatever he wanted and he could get him to partake in whatever he wanted. He'd get him to get drugs whenever he wanted. And the two of them kind of exude this, we can do whatever the hell we want whenever we want and nobody can say anything to us. And it just breeds this very not good like lifestyle and situation when people with bad intentions in the world have that much power like to do whatever they want that's what brews like bad things happening it's terrifying if it was like good people with these resources and like abilities like it would have been fine yeah but the problem is they're just bad people exactly so dylan um he starts dating he dates a lot of girls in the time that he's a person and I don't know how to describe that and he does a lot of drugs he does a lot of inappropriate things he goes skydiving not that skydiving is inappropriate but it's just kind of shows you in his personality that the bar he's just doing the most yes he's like and to me he's he's cheating on his girlfriends because Mm. it's exciting because who cares yeah and it's because he can do whatever he wants exactly and the thing is is his girlfriends like stay with him so it's and it's probably i don't know i'm not them he's got some money exactly so and they probably get a little something from his money too they get to live that lifestyle a little bit 
more than they probably could have also. Exactly. So 2008, 2009, give or take, Dellen Millard meets a girl named Laura Babcock, and they meet at a pub. They date for a short amount of time, but it doesn't really work out. They're not, like, going to settle down or anything like that. And so they end up breaking up, but they still kind of see each other, like, friends with benefits kind of thing. And so Laura, she's... I don't know how to describe her. She's seems like a very nice girl that had some unfortunate circumstances just as a whole. She kind of struggles with what she's going to do with her life. She struggles with money. She struggles, like, finding her place in the world. And then she starts associating with Dellen, which clearly is not great for yeah, her. Yeah, not a great choice, but... And he is toxic in the sense that he's probably cheating on her they end up breaking up, but he's still kind of stringing her along. Maybe she's stringing him along as well. We don't really know, but it's just not a good relationship right. for her mental health. And so 2011 to 2012 roll around. They've been separated for years, but they're still seeing each other. Um, and Babcock visits the hospital over 12 times for just various mental health issues. And so it's clear she's struggling. She's not in the right mind mm-hmm. especially to be friends with somebody like that like yeah. you need when you personally are struggling 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 like me yeah <laughs> um you need to be like surrounded by people who have good intentions, intentions and, and bring you up and yeah he was, not these kind of crazy people yes exactly and so she struggles a lot she, i know i don't think this is i don't know I don't think this is super important personally. I think it makes her look worse for no reason. But there are talks in the different articles that she was an escort for a while and she did drugs and stuff. And I think that it's important in the sense that um, it makes understanding her lifestyle a little bit more difficult and the people she associated with um, maybe more are kept on the down low in a lot of instances. And so she ends up starting to date this very nice guy named Sean Lerner, and they end up breaking up as well, but they stay very, very close friends. And like they want, like, actually close friends, like, really care about each yes, other? Okay. Yes. And Shane Lerner, the best way I can describe him is, do you remember that case you did with that girl who just would not drop it and would just not stop investigating and pushing oh police. yeah he is her I love that one shane is her oh shane we like shane a lot oh can like, he have a heart too oh absolutely maybe he gets a gold star he absolutely gets a gold star and okay. a heart. so he's important and we'll kind of talk about him later but it's 2012 we're kind of moving past some of laura's mental health issues and millard hey. will refer to dellen as millard a lot Millard starts dating another girl, Christina Nugda, I think is how you pronounce it. And Dellen Millard is still messing around with Laura. And he's also dating Christina. And as we know, these situations do not typically go well. And I know. <laughs> I think that it's like personally, I don't know this, but it kind of seems like Dellen like gets off on the fact that they both know. Like, I think he thinks it's funny because the two of these girls... Because they stay. They still stay. So it's like he's good enough to stay for that. Exactly. Like through all of that. And he still like is sleeping with them both. And so, okay. So this becomes important because Nubda and Babcock start texting each other, which is not good. (laughs) Like... And I'm going to read you some of these text messages. Oh, Lord. So Nubia I feel like this is going to be like drama. It's painful. Like, seriously, it's painful. 
Nugda is new girlfriend, Laura Babcock. What's her first name again? Christina. And Laura is, Laura Babcock is the girlfriend from 2008, 2009. Yeah. So Nugda says, texting Babcock, she says, happy birthday. A year ago today was the first time I slept with Dylan. <laughs> uh, Babcock replies and says, that's fine. I slept with him a couple weeks ago, which is like, ugh. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Nugda says, did you miss your medication today? You're a crazy psycho bitch just trying to get my boyfriend. You had him and you lost him. Give it up. Which I'm sorry, but this is so high school. Like, what are you Also, doing? your boyfriend, that it doesn't mean... When she says, I slept with him a couple weeks ago, it doesn't mean she slept with him. It also means that he also slept with her. Yeah. So she's not just trying to get her boyfriend. Her boyfriend's trying to get somebody else, too. Exactly. It's like, Like, why are you only mad at her? Don't be stupid. I wonder, to me, I wonder if Dylan tells Christina that this isn't, these things aren't true. Oh, maybe. And so Christina's under the impression that she's just trying to get under my skin. Mm, And maybe that would make sense. Fuels it. But I feel like. Like, you have to know better, honey. Like, come on. Yeah, like, I feel like I don't know Dylan personally. And yes, I'm coming in from a perspective of I already know he's a bad guy. Yeah. But I feel like it's pretty plain sight, red flag alert that he's just not nice to you. And this just creates this huge fucking blow up situation between the three of them. And it's a gigantic love triangle. And so this text message situation transpires in the end of february of 2012 then april um, of 2012 so a few months later rolls around and Dellen texts laura babcock his ex and says you are harmful to me please don't try to contact me until you've made some huge leaps of self-discovery as i said before good luck with life so laura texts a mutual friend of Dellen and hers named andrew and she says basically uh yeah these this is causing so much trauma like this is not cool anymore like yeah they're not good for me you know yeah and so i want to say the next day um millard sends nukta the new girlfriend a text message basically saying he's gonna take care of the problem crazy yeah and that'd so, be scary i feel like if i yes got that in any context of anything i'd feel like what does that mean? Well, but what do you worse. mean? Oh, here's what he means. So Miller texts Nugda, first I'm going to hurt her, then oh. I'll make her leave. I will remove her from our lives. So this is where the story gets like fucking just on. At this point, she should say, just walk away. So she doesn't walk away. And I think borderline, she participates in it. Well, I feel like at this point, like if, if I received a message like that, I would be like, don't, you don't need to be like hurting or you just walk away. Be better. Yep. But, like, the fact that she doesn't encourage him to <clears throat> let it go, but seems to be that encourages us to, like, go ahead with it. Exactly. That, that's Because not... she wants her gone. And so he's saying, I'll make her go away. So in May of 2012, the next month, this is where it gets... I just cannot fathom this story sometimes. And that's why I decided <laughs> to do this case, because it's so unfathomable that this would even transpire. Dellen... I don't remember. I think I remember watching like a video or maybe I heard this in the podcast, one of them that I listened to, but Millard asks his mechanic, like, is there a way, like, I want to say he says something along the lines of how do butchers get rid of gigantic like pieces of cows and stuff? Like, how does that, how would you even get rid of something like that? Why do you ask his mechanic? 
I think he's like mechanic <laughs> on a lot of different things, not just like a car mechanic. Okay. I don't know for sure. But anyway, still not important. He <laughs> asks him this question and the mechanic is like, oh, well, they have big incinerators for that where it's like a crema- it's like a crematorium, but yeah. it's so farmers can get rid of like what happens if your pig dies on your property or yeah. what happens if a cow dies on your property. You got to get rid of it and you can't just bury it like where the fuck. Mm-hmm. And so he said he mentions this to Dellen and Dellen says, oh, well, I have a farm and I want to start getting livestock for it because he has like a big i don't want to say it's a mansion but i think it is and sure it also he has, has land a barn and stuff behind it and land like you said and so he makes it sound like he is interested for this purpose and he's asking that because he's thinking through the process of how would i run my farm exactly so they order a commercial incinerator for dallin so it's june 26 2012 and laura babcock 23 at the time is last seen by anybody at this point so, we okay. can use our imaginations to understand what happened to her, but we'll kind of right. go through the steps here. Um, basically, she disappears, and <clears throat> our friend Shane Lerner says, mm. this is bullshit, this is suspicious, I don't like any of this. Yeah. So, Laura Babcock's parents order the um, cell phone records from her last few days of, you know what I mean, like, them yeah. knowing that she communicated with them. And they receive the records in, I want to say, the summer of that year, sometime in the summer. And Shane Lerner goes to Laura's parents' house to review the records as well because he talks to her a lot. They're really good friends. So he notices that the last eight phone calls that she ever makes before her phone is turned off, they're all to Dellen. No. And it's 2012, and we know that Tim Bosma was found missing in 2013. So it's a year before Tim goes missing. Okay. And Shane Lerner goes to the police and says, okay, this is fucking weird. The yeah. last phone calls are to Dellen. That's he had suspicious. beef against her. Exactly. Like- so Shane actually confronts Dellen and is like... That's scary. <laughs> yeah. And... He asks him outright, why did she call you? What's what's going on here? And Dellen tells him, well, she was coming to me for drugs and wanted a place to stay. And I blew her off. And then I finally answered the phone and I told her, no, I'm not doing this with you. And that's the last time I heard of her. Shane calls bullshit on that immediately and goes yeah. to the police and is like, you need to do something about this. And Shane Lerner claims back in 2012 that the police didn't do shit about this. They blew it off and he never heard from them ever again. I wonder again. if it has to do with her um, like history. Exactly. That's what I'm, that's why I think that it well, wasn't that taken as seriously. With her having a record of being hospitalized for mental illness so many times, they could look at that and just view her as an unstable away, person that just... Missing, mm-hmm. Precisely. Yeah. Maybe she went to Vegas. Maybe she... Maybe yeah. she took herself and jumped off a cliff. You don't know. Exactly. Not saying that's it was a little far, but like yeah. them looking at it, they could think that she's just not stable. And- yeah. And from the police perspective, you got to consider like budgets and money. Not that it's okay, but... Do we have the time and the money to dedicate to this? You know, to something that couldn't that could be like not nothing, but not not a homicide, not criminal. Yeah, yeah. So we'll kind of go back to the timeline here, and you know, she goes missing at the end of June of 2012, 
July 5th, 2012, the $15,000 incinerator arrives at Dellen's property. So the disgusting... So is that like like two weeks? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So about a week and a half to two weeks. Okay. So this is... I cannot make this shit up. Like legitimately cannot make this up. The incinerator arrives and Dellen and his pal, Mark, spray paint onto the incinerator and they decide to name the incinerator uh, the eliminator um okay yeah that's yeah but the thing is is obviously nobody knows that and they hide it in i want to say they put it in a barn and yeah they, they can just... you imagine like i want to say that with their um with their mindset for being able to do whatever they want all that thinking oh i'm rich enough powerful enough smart enough invincible enough that if i just don't like somebody i could buy a big machine put them in there and then i'll never have to see them again and thinking that that's appropriate in any way whatsoever yeah i could just buy this big old box and just throw people in there i don't like and so at this point in the timeline obviously we're speculating but it's pretty safe to say what transpired between Dellen and laura yeah um and shane Obviously, nobody else knows about the incinerator. Nobody knows that it's called the Eliminator. Nobody knows that, uh, you know, Dellen has a gun. Like, this is things that come to light later. Yeah. Um, but it's fucked up. Like, seriously fucked up. So, where this all becomes important in the sense of the timeline is the case of Laura Babcock goes cold. Because nobody yeah. knows about the incinerator. Nobody knows about anything. And apparently the police ignored Shane's tip of the eight this phone calls. This is who did it, probably. Exactly. So Tim Bosma goes missing a year later in 2013. And the police start investigating this. And basically they start out obviously looking for the truck itself because it was stolen. And I don't know... If I had my notes, I would know exactly what transpired here, but I don't. But all I know is that if I'm remembering the podcast that I've listened to correctly, I want to say that either Dellen or Mark had a tattoo that Charlene noticed. And so they started using that as like an investigative tool. Let's look for somebody with this tattoo. And they went to, like, a ton of tattoo shops, and I don't know if they ever got, like, a lead based off of that, but it was relatively either interesting in the case that they were trying to investigate Mm -hmm. this as seriously as they could. Um, And then they started kind of looking for the truck, and I don't know exactly how they, like, ended up on Dellen Millard's uh, property, but they did. Mm. And so... Basically, they end up in the airport hangar and they find the truck in there. Oh. And it's been stripped of all of its interior, all the cloth, all the seats, everything's been removed. And they're like, yeah, that's not fucking normal. You know what I mean? Right. And it's been like tried, like clearly tried to have been washed out and stuff like that. And so the police immediately start investigating him as a suspect in the disappearance of Tim Bosma. And that's when they start investigating his other property where the barn is. And they open up the barn and they find the incinerator. Mm. And then they see that it's spray painted the eliminator on it. Yeah. Which is... And he doesn't have any livestock. No, he does (laughs) not have livestock. 
And so May 15th, 2013, police confirmed that Bosma's burned remains were found on Millard's farm. Mm -hmm. So at this point, Millard is charged with first degree murder. So then... Is Mark... Do you know? Oh, yeah. Mark was definitely involved in this. I don't know exactly how, but, you know, when Tim went missing, there were two guys that showed up. And so two guys were absolutely involved. Come to find out it's Mark. And so I wish I could remember how they ended up on um, Dallin's property, but I truly don't. And the timeline that I have to go over this, it just kind of, like, cuts to, like, they showed up there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say, but... um, Make sure your notes don't get deleted before you do a podcast. <laughs> it's <they're> important. <laughs> Pro tip. Um, so basically, after he gets arrested for Tim Bosma's murder, Shane Lerner goes to the police and says... See, he's capable of he, this. Yeah, he files an official complaint and is like, you need to look at Laura Babcock's disappearance. This is not a fucking coincidence. He's clearly a murderer. So police announce in, let's see, May of 2013... Um, they're reopening the case of Laura Babcock and then it gets fucking crazier. Oh no. So May, 2013, they reopened the case of Laura Babcock a little bit before this. I want to say five months before this, um, Dellen Millard's dad kills himself, which is important in the sense that, um, Dellen inherits even more money to mm. do nefarious things with. And it's kind of fucked up because the police pretty quickly ruled as a suicide. But something that's interesting is he was shot through the eye. Who oh. kills themselves by shooting themselves in the eye? And even with that being said, as weird as that is and not normal. I feel like that'd be the scariest way. Yeah. <laughs> Looking right into it. Yeah, seriously. And like who aims right there? Like, yeah. It's such an unnatural way to hold a gun to your head as well. Like, normally it's from the side or in your mouth or something, but in your eye? I feel like I would not be confident that I was going to die if I did that. Like, I would be like, if you're trying to kill yourself, you want to make sure you get the job done or you're going to seriously maim yourself. Yeah. So I feel like I'd be very hesitant to do it that way. But yet, that being said, they deem it a suicide and they allow Dellen to cremate the body very quickly. So fast forward to Tim Bosma's death, and now they're reopening the case of his ex-girlfriend, and now police are going, hold on. Maybe <laughs> maybe all these people that are mysteriously disappearing around Dellen, it's not so mysterious after all. And they decide to reopen the case of his father's suicide nice. as well. And he's charged with first-degree murder in all three of them. Really? So, yeah. So then they start investigating. So they must have had enough evidence on even that one, too. Exactly. And it's crazy as fuck because they confiscate a bunch of electronics from Dellen and Mark. One of them is an iPad that is like, you know how in like electronics, the devices have names mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So the iPad they confiscate is called Mark's iPad, but the name had been changed. It was really Laura Babcock's iPad. Oh. And so that's sketchy in and of itself because how would Mark get his hands on Laura's iPad? Right. And she's missing. So then they pull Dellen 
um, his cell phone, mm-hmm. his records, and Laura's records and his records in that week long where we don't know where she is, they're pinging in the exact same fucking locations. Oh. Yeah. They're traveling together the day that she went missing. They're at like a, I don't know if it's like a train station or a bus station or what, at the exact same time, the day after, and then it's pinging all over his property at the exact same time, and then it mysteriously goes quiet. So that's pretty indicative of what's pretty suspicious. And then... They pull up his phone, and he's got pictures showing objects burning in the incinerator, objects that are later identified as human bones. And, dude, I cannot make this up. Then they find that his phone... Who takes pictures of the murders they're committing, first of all? Wait till you fucking hear this. (laughs) So then they find records of a photo that he took... I want to say a week or even a few days maybe after her disappearance that is quote an object wrapped in a blue tarp at his farm that was photographed with his phone yeah like a body shaped object (laughs) very much Mm. and then they find a notification somewhere in his history Notifying him of a calendar reminder to do a, quote, barn smell check on <laughs> July 7th. I'm sorry. And he, at this point, he still hasn't bought animals, right? No. <laughs> mm, I'm sorry. I must go smell my barn. Yes. So. My empty barn. Wait till you hear this. Um, July 23rd, it's 3.07 p.m. And Miller texts his pal Mark. This is a real fucking text message. Barbecue has run its warm-up. It's ready for meat. Ew. 10.38 p.m., Millard's phone Googles what temperature is cremation done at. <laughs> and then, He's so smart. He's, yeah, like, can you, and how disgusting. Like, it makes it worse, these things, like, as if he thinks it's funny. Right. And so, wait, th- this is arguably. It hasn't gotten to the worst? No. No. Oh. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. I cannot make this up. This is going to... I'm going to read I this wish you were. <laughs> word for word from the Canadian Crimepedia article that I'm getting my timeline from because I have no notes. And it says, <laughs> July 24th, 2012, Mark's iPad, previously Laura Babcock's, records written rap lyrics attributed to Mark Smitch that says... He, he wrote a rap? Yes. <laughs> and it says... That bitch started off all skin and bone. Now the bitch lay on some ashy stone. Last time I saw hers outside the home, and if you go swimming, you can find her phone. Let's hear you wrap it. I'll give you a beat. (laughs) And they also find, let's see. Oh, okay, so... So we know where our phone is. He invites some friends over in August of 2012, which then the police end up finding them and using them as witnesses. So he invites these two friends over, and he raps more lyrics for them that says that in the lyrics, he makes a confession, quote, that he killed a girl, burned a body, and disposed of it in a lake. And it's just how... Yeah, yeah, I don't know how... Let me just murder someone, take some photos, rap a song about it, mm-hmm. and just think that that's fine and okay and I'll be untouched. Yeah. 
And so it's it's nice. The murder of Tim Bosma that opens up all these other investigations. And that's when they open the investigation as well into Dellen uh Dellen's dad. And it's fucking crazy because I don't have the exact quote for this part, but they end up interviewing people that work at um his dad's business who he like also has Dellen working at as well. So like the employees know his dad and they know Dellen. And the employees say up leading like leading up until the suicide, uh-huh. the employees overheard his dad talking about how he was done with Dellen. He was gonna stop giving him money. Oop. That he was sick of him blowing money and that Dellen was supposed to be helping run the business with the dad and with the intentions of him taking it over and his dad felt like he was not taking it seriously and that he didn't want to continue like training him to take over the business because his dad felt like Dallin was going to run the business into the fucking ground yeah and then conveniently months later his dad Mm. yeah that's not convenient at all no so moral of the story is like all of this being said he goes on trial for um tim bosma's murder and they're found guilty and smitch his friend is the one who testifies that uh delin is the one who shot and killed bosma and that delin is the one who disposed of the body in the animal incinerator um which who knows what's true who knows we'll never know is he any more guilty if he told mark to do it and mark did it no I don't give a shit who pulled the trigger. Yeah. I truly believe that. And you that, know that Mark was there helping. Yeah. And it's I. It's not. Like, yeah. They were, they're both just trash. Equally guilty for sure. And this kind of spurs the trial into Laura Babcock as well as Wayne Millard, the dad. And he's found guilty of all three. Good. And now he is going to spend. Canada's like judicial system works a bit differently, but be. Because he was found guilty of all three murders, it just adds more and more and more time before he can have a parole hearing, which normally mm-hmm. parole hearings, even in murder cases, they happen. Like, you, yeah, they don't really have life sentences as far as I'm aware. Um, so you can end up being denied parole for sure. If it was a super gruesome crime, it's not like just because you have a parole hearing, you're getting out. Yeah. Like with my case, uh, um, Miguel, he um, got commuted to life or whatever, and he is been eligible for, for parole every year but yeah. just keeps getting refused it because of how gruesome exactly. the crime was so like yeah there's a good chance that that's going to be the same thing yeah with your guy and it's interesting too because like because he was sentenced to three life sentences it just pushes his parole date further and his further parole hearing further and further so it's like 75 years before nice. he'll be. so i think he'll be dead at that point anyways oh, we could only help and he does like interviews talking about how innocent he is and Ugh. isn't that just gross what does he look like? He, I want to see. Okay, let's see. <laughs> I'll post it on our Instagram, too. I just like seeing what people look like. Okay, so... When I'm, oh, he looks exactly how I expected him to. This is him now. Like, that's one of his <laughs> mug shots. And then I think Ew. that's Mark. And that's Dylan. And then... Yeah, they look like little folks. And I'm pretty sure that's the fucking Dodge Ram that was fucking stolen. Yeah. And um, you know that the only intent there was the the murder because 
He didn't need to buy a used Dodge Ram from that guy. He had no. enough money to do whatever he and wanted. that's exactly what one of the articles that I read said. And, like, look at Tim Bosma. It's just like, oh, he is... looks so happy. And look at the baby. <gasps> oh, no. I can't do that. Yeah. That's so sad. It's so sad. Did Christina ever get in trouble for anything to do with Laura's disappearance? Yes. She was charged as accessory to murder and... Yeah, it says April 10th, 2014, Christina Nugda is charged with accessory after the fact to murder in connection with Bosma's mm. death. And then in search Good. of Nugda's home, police find 65 letters from Millard with incriminating statements in them, like, the night Laura disappeared, I told you Laura was overdoing coke with Mark in the basement. Later, oh. when she's reported missing, I told you that Mark told me that she OD'd, and... That stuff I wrote before, that was just brainstorming. Forget it. He asked Nugda later to destroy the letters. Oh. It's just like, it's like step by step of all the crimes they committed. We're like, they fucking documented them. Literally. They wrote them out for us to read later. Yeah. Stupid. The only one that was kind of iffy in the sense of like, in my opinion, the evidence. Was the dad. Was the dad. And he We don't even know what the evidence really was. We probably haven't heard it all. Mm -hmm. They probably had plenty yeah so i want to say like i know i kind of jumped around a lot no i liked it line there and it was probably confusing but i completely winged that so that was really good thank you i appreciate that 10 out of 10 yeah that case not the case but uh, the story of the case but not the actual case it was zero out of 10 that case is so (laughs) fucked up just fuck that guy for real for real and i want to say I might be making this up because, like I said, I have no fucking notes, but I think I heard in one of the podcasts that at one point the police went to Dellen's airport hangar and saw the truck there or something, but Dellen, like, got the police to leave somehow. What? Yeah, and it just, like, further... And it probably made him feel even better about himself. yes. And I don't know exactly how that transpired oh, or gross. Why or yeah, he what. deserves to rot. Legitimately deserves to rot. Completely. And he just sounds like, and you saw that picture of him leaning over the plane. He should plane. be thrown into the eliminator. He should. And like, to- once he's old and, like, can't move. Like, we want him to suffer and suffer and suffer until he's about to die, and then we should throw him in there. Absolutely. So that it hurts. And it's just fucking disgusting. Like, to me, the, the cherry on fucking top is spray painting the fucking incinerator yeah that's just yucky it's like like i can i imagine them like giggling and yes like like oh dude i imagine them like sitting in the basement playing video games and snorting coke and then laughing about the things yeah and how funny they think it is and imagine being that fucking mark kid and writing rap lyrics like thinking like you're so fucking deep first of all they're also just terrible they're all they're fucking awful and he looks like the stupidest motherfucker. Like, he sounds like he'd be like goofy and like just like not like in a funny goofy, but in like a embarrassing like freaking derpy puppy dog falls around. Yeah. His like, friend side the perfect like dumb sidekick. Yes. Like pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Was that too far? <laughs> no. 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 I don't think no, it wasn't. Is too far. I need to stop sucking. If they are bad, they are bad. I can say they're bad. They're yeah. bad. I don't know. In my defense, I did start this off by saying I was going to talk mad shit about Dellen, which... Say something else. I think we <laughs> sincerely accomplished, but... And he deserved, so... It's just... Cool. Oh, it's like for... 
That I is, even know. it upsets me. Like, no, same. Yeah, that's me. It's just, and imagine being the dumb. wife and like Laura's parents and her friend Shane. Yeah. Like coming to the conclusion of Dellen having done it is satisfying in the sense that there's justice but at the same time like shane and laura's parents and charlene are just like they have to know that this has happened for no reason other than some little douchebag thinking he's hot shit and imagine dylan's fucking mom being like losing realizing she's a shitty kid (laughs) yeah her fucking kid husband's dead questioning whether you created this shitty kid like yeah could you have prevented it in my opinion Probably not. He sounds it's like probably a just asshole. bred into his blood. Yeah, not like genetic. I don't know. He probably just know. sucks yeah. from the get go. So it's like everybody suffered. Ugh. Yeah. I hate it. I that's hate how it. they all go, and I'm always like, oh, that's depressing. I know, right? I loved it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm gonna do this again next week. Like, <laughs> wow, that made me feel awful. Yeah, both those cases were just like. They both had like no reason. Yeah. Do any of them? No, but... So, just sincerest apologies to everybody that maybe couldn't follow that case as well as if I had done it well with some (laughs) Whatever. You're just just fine. I liked it a lot. Did you? Yeah. That's good. I really did. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here and listening to our episode. And we're getting close to episode 20, which is hella exciting. It's Celia's turn next week for her mini episode so if you are here for her and her only subscribe to her patreon and you can hear her episode next i'm excited that my voice won't even be like in it for very long and you (laughs) can just you can just hear the parts that you like (laughs) i'm stoked for that episode as well i already know what case i'm doing which is don't tell me i want to be shocked so everybody uh you can see our patreon it's www.patreon.com slash between the crimes and then if you think we're cool, you can, like, <laughs> leave us a review or something. That would be really cool. If you think we're not cool... Also, leave us a review and tell us what's wrong with us. Please. <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. But be nice. Be gentle. Please be kind to us. We're very sensitive We're open girls. to criticism, but... Just really just sugar. I also it. will cry. Yeah. For sure. So, so just sugar. Keep it. all of this in mind and do with it what you will. Just don't criticize. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> tell us we're perfect. Um, yeah, leave us reviews on um, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts because it's super, super helpful. Yes, it And is. it makes it so that when you type in the name of our podcast, it actually comes up <laughs> when you type it in. That'd be cool. Which, I mean, I'm not asking for a lot. I don't need to be on the charts, but if I start <laughs> typing the name of my podcast, it'd be cool if it started to come <laughs> if up. If it showed up. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I'm sorry, but did you mean anything else? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then I'm in the process of making a website for our podcast Ooh. where it'll have all of our episodes and then pictures pictures as well. And then it'll also have the links to all of the places you can download our shit at. Our references. And I think all one the fun stuff. day. Yeah, our references for sure. One day I want to um, do a couple of our cases in like blog post form. That would be really cool. Who either don't give a shit about podcasts or maybe want more information or something like that so or maybe they just want to go back and read it exactly so sometimes i like to read everyone posted on that but cool yeah until next time yeah yeah hell yeah high five to that okay love you love you bye Bye. (laughs)